Hi, you're listening to LGBT and Faith, where we look at inclusive approaches around the globe that bring people of faith and LGBT people together. I'm Henry from Yuga, Asia, the Asian region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association. And I'm Klaus Müller, founder and chair of the Salzburg Global LGBT Forum. In this series, we share audio versions of blogs that were published as part of our ongoing global online forum on LGBT and faith. You'll hear from members and leaders of faith communities from within Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism and Sikhism, as well as from agnostics, atheists, anthropologists and cultural believers, queer or straight. We believe in the fundamental values of LGBT equality and religious freedom. Today, we hear from Saira Mushtaba, who remembers her gay uncle's suicide and calls upon her Muslim community to include and protect their LGBT family members. My name is Saira Mujtaba. By profession, I'm a broadcast journalist. But apart from radio, I dabble in a number of things. Writing, filmmaking, cooking, and translating Urdu literature into English is what completes my personality. My story is about my late uncle, who was gay, and who eventually took his life. He had been too tired and drained off by fighting discrimination in society at every step. My blog isn't just about an individual, but it also speaks for many Muslims who are fighting their own battles of getting acknowledgement, let alone acceptance. All of us have a set of memories that one often goes back to. They can be memories that bring a smile or make a tear roll down our cheeks. Whenever I close my eyes, the most dominant memory of my childhood has been of the morning of 1st of April 1995. I was a girl of seven then. When I opened my eyes, I found all my neighbors in our house. I remember I became so happy to see everyone in my home. But soon my mother entered the room. She looked at me and cried and said, Your Aslam uncle is no more. I was too young to understand the meaning of death and the pain of separation from a loved one. The only other vivid memory related to my uncle's death was when my father showed me his face after he was bathed and shrouded, revealing only his radiant face which had a peaceful smile on it. Though many might feel I'm sounding blasphemous, but apart from images of Christ and Buddha, I have never ever seen that kind of a peaceful smile of any mortal. Years went by, but my uncle's death had changed everything. He was the only son of my grandmother. I never saw my grandmother sleeping properly after his death. She kept the lights of her room switched on all night, engrossing herself in reading books or writing stories. My uncle worked in a different city and even when he was alive, I used to see very less of him. Yet I was very fond of him for he used to get me all kinds of fancy toys. But I came to know about him more after his physical being left us. I got to know him through his writings the choice of his books, and of course, through his diary. For years, I was made to believe that he was murdered in Goa. But only three years ago, I got hold of one of his notepads, which revealed that he had taken his life. 
but he refused to call it a suicide. After perusing his diary entries all these years, I had already got to know that my uncle was gay. I had also got to know that being gay was something society in general looked down upon. But what intrigued me the most was that my uncle had a lot of books that spoke of homosexuality in the context of religion. I come from a family that has been practicing Muslims and where I was always encouraged to read the Quran with meaning. I'm not an expert on Islamic studies and I also know that homosexuality is forbidden in Islam. But I also know that speaking lies is also forbidden in the Quran. Discrimination and exploitation is also forbidden in the Quran. And the one verse that keeps recurring most often in the Quran is God is most benevolent and merciful. The Holy Quran has also laid great emphasis on human rights. In fact, a book that speaks of the rights of plants and animals can surely give an idea of the importance it gives to human rights. Therefore, it brings me to a very pertinent topic that needs to be discussed within the community, and most importantly, a dialogue needs to be initiated with community leaders. We Muslims believe that the Holy Quran, just like any holy book, did not come as a guidance to its followers only, but for the entire mankind. The Quran outlines the importance of creating a dialogue with those different than us, be it on any ground, that is caste, color, creed, or religion. And now I quote a verse from the Quran, chapter 49, verse 13. O mankind, indeed we have created you from male and female and made you peoples and tribes that you may know one another. Indeed, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous of you. Indeed, Allah is knowing and acquainted. Unquote. Thus, it is to be noted that it is high time to initiate a dialogue with the religious leaders regarding the human rights of LGBTIQ Muslims. I reiterate that first we need to give LGBTIQ Muslims their human rights. In the light of the Quran, we cannot discriminate against anyone. And therefore, completely obliterating an entire community and not acknowledging its existence is something which is definitely un-Islamic. If God is most merciful, then how can God be discriminating? This is a highly erroneous image of God that community leaders try to paint of the Almighty. God surely doesn't like oppressors, so we should be careful in not acting like one while dealing with people who are different from us in any way. A large number of LGBTIQ Muslims live in fear for their very existence is deemed as un-Islamic by the Muslim society. I am hereby sharing an excerpt of the last note of my uncle, which I sincerely hope would make the religious leaders and the people at large ponder over the pain of the LGBTIQ community amongst Muslims. And I sincerely wish no more Aslams should take their lives after facing discrimination all their life. I now begin to read his letter. Quote, This is not a suicide. I had a right to live but I was forced to die. My blood is on his, that is his lover who jilted him, his hands as much as on the system he personifies. A system of double standards and hypocrisy, confused moral values and obsessive prejudices, righteousness and retribution. It is a system where any difference is treated as subversion, any variation as a threat, 
any true happiness as a transgression. In this blinkered society, which lives by its petty hypocrisy, truth is strictly no-no. The status quo has to be maintained at all costs and at any price. All dissenters and deviates from the norm will be eliminated subtly, relentlessly, mercilessly. In my country's newfound sexual liberation, premarital sex, one-night stands, casual encounters, extramarital affairs, spouse exchange, sexual experimentation and orgies have gained tacit social sanction. So long as it's normal people, that is men and women of all ages, talk about their sex lives all the time. It is healthy and normal for boys to have girlfriends and girls to have boyfriends and the tally need not stop at one. The garden, movie hall rendezvous of yore have now found respectability and acceptance in open social dating, even in the most conformist of middle-class families. But all this license and liberation is for heterosexuals only, that is for normal people. And these normal people have drawn the line for me and my kind. If we don't draw the line, we are instantly crushed down mercilessly. All the discrimination, persecution and harassment I faced in society out in the mean streets was based on the rightest premise and presumption that since I had transgressed the norm, I had automatically lost my rights and privileges to equality, dignity and freedom. When it came to dealing with me, the society withdrew its usual code of conduct and behavior. Social graces, civilized behavior, friendly neighborhood, warmth, respect, justice, fairness were all dispensed with. The rules of normal society did not apply to me. I was singled out for special treatment." Unquote. So this was the excerpt of his uh, last note and uh, I have chosen a photo of my uncle Muhammad Aslam with his mother, that is my grandmother. Both of them being writers were also friends. I wish my grandmother could accept his homosexuality in front of the society too, just like she did it discreetly. Both of them are finally united in heaven, I believe. Thank you. These episodes are audio versions from a series of blogs produced by Salzburg Global Fellows, taking part in the Global Online Forum on LGBT and Faith. Head to salzburgglobal.org slash go slash LGBT to read the written version of this blog and learn more about our ongoing work. You can also reach out to Ilga Asia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ILGA Asia to learn more about our work. We will be hearing a piece from Paula Paradis, an Ecuadorian photographer who documents illegal anti-LGBT conversion clinics through a visual activism project until you change.